Welcome back to another episode of Making a Martini. I am your host, Caleb Viggles, and we're kind of talking more sports today. All right, kind of, but also also not really, uh, but kind of. Um, but yeah, we're talking about the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League and the movie and show, A League of Their Own, um, that sort of came from that. Uh, but first... Let's just say, uh, or let me let me just say, uh, Making a Martini has once again been nominated and is in the top 10 list of City Paper's Best of the Berg contest for Best Podcast. This makes two years in a row, okay? And we could, we could potentially make the top three, um, which is winning, but that is all up to you. All you have to do is click on the link in this episode's notes. Uh, you could click on the link click on the link click on the link in my instagram bio i have a little link tree in there um or you can click on any of the links on making a martini's facebook page you know yeah you could even go to the city paper website and just vote from there okay so there's tons of ways that you can do it um you can only vote one time per email address that you have um until august 31st um, so if you have 10 emails, you can vote 10 times, right? But only one time with each of those emails. Okay. Um, and then please share whatever link you, you know, you do decide to use on your social media so I can, you know, get more votes and stuff. Uh, so yeah, August 31st is the last day that you can vote. Um, and then the winners are announced on September 28th, I think. I think. I think, I think. Okay. Um, and I think that's the only announcement I have. So yeah, let's, let's take on, uh, let's get my hot takes on women's baseball. Uh, so I'm sure that we have all heard of, or, um, have seen the movie, a league of their own, um, or at very least know the, there's no crying in baseball line. Um, but it's the, the Penny Marshall movie starring Gina Davis, Tom Hanks, and Madonna, Rosie O'Donnell, Gary Marshall, John Lovett, Bill Pullman, like all star cast. Um, And it was about the beginning of the All-American Girls Baseball League in 1943. And it follows one of the main teams, the Rockford Peaches and their manager, Jimmy Dugan, throughout year one of the existence of the league. And on the 6th of August, I believe. So what? Days ago. Um the Amazon Prime original series, A League of Their Own, based off of the hit 1992 movie, was released. Um, all eight one-hour episodes are out now. I just finished it. I really did enjoy it, and you know I'll get into that in a little bit. But uh, this episode is mainly going to be about the All-American, excuse me, Girls Professional Baseball League. I took a drink and burped. Um, or the AAGPBL. I'll refer to it I don't know, different ways, different times, but we'll see. <laughs> but it's about that and how it started and the things that came from it. So, yeah, let's go. Cheers, you fucking drunks. Mm. Okay, so the whole idea of the league came from, uh, it started because the United States entered World War II and a good majority of professional men baseball players uh, got drafted. So there was this fear that like professional baseball would cease to exist. 
right, due to not knowing how long the war would last and potentially not knowing you know who was going to come back from the war. You know, which I have to say is so classic United States. You know, like, like, hey, go fight for your country. By the way, you have no choice. But if you do go, even though we're forcing you, you may not have a career waiting for you when you get back. So, you know, have fun. Best of luck. Best wishes. Anyway. So, Philip Wrigley, like of Wrigley Gum, uh, Branch Ricky, what a fucking terrible name, um, and Paul Harper, uh, the three of them founded the Women's Baseball League with the idea of women warming the benches while the men were away, which for World War II was like a pretty common theme. You know, women going to work in factories and stores and being told they were supporting the war effort, so they should definitely do it, but, um, you know, getting paid infinitely less, zero job security, and then just expected to go back into the home once the war was over and the men came home. That's <laughs> so cute. Uh, so anyway, initially... Uh, when women were drafted, there were 200 girls scouted for tryouts that were at Wrigley Field. Um, and only about 60, 64 of those 200 women were chosen to represent the first four teams, the Rockford Peaches, South Bend Blue Sox, Kenosha Commons, and the Racine Bells. Uh, the league was informally segregated, which is a term that I've just recently come to learn in doing my research for this episode. Uh, which, by the way, I'm doing this episode because I just watched the Amazon Prime show, and I just had a lot of questions after watching it because they said, "Oh, well, we're doing all the things the movie didn't cover," and I'm like, "Oh, you are? I can, I, okay." So this idea of informally segregated is that th- they absolutely could not come out and post that it was a segregated sport, but it was just a common understanding that if you were black, you could not try out for sports. Um, there wasn't a penalty for, you know, if if they were to ever, you know, put someone on the team that was of a different race. But, you know, everything was run by white men. So, like, they, they had the final say. So... Um, but the league was included in this, the women's league. Um, so no African-American women were allowed to try out. Um, all the women that were recruited recruited were recruited for their playing skills initially. Um, and then their beauty sort of comes into it also. Uh, so, you know, there's the scenes in the movie and the TV show where the girls had to go to charm school and beauty school. Um, and that's, that's true. That's exactly what happened D- during um, the spring training. All players, and this is not just from year one, but all players moving forward, every spring training, they had to go um, to Helena Rubinstein's Charm and Beauty School. And if you don't know who she is, look her up because she is super interesting. Um, She, in her time, was one of the world's richest women and uh, was an entrepreneur and like founder of her own business, which during that time was like not heard of for a woman. So she's cool. Maybe I'll do an episode on her, but I also might not, you know, stay tuned, stay tuned, everyone. Uh, But yeah, they were forced to go to beauty school. And this is something that the TV show touches on. The movie very much glazes over. Um, The the movie sort of made it a bit more like of a joke, like, look at these, you know, potentially frumpy women who are from the middle of nowhere, by the way. 
um, you know, like Idaho, Idaho. Uh, but, um, Oh God, where was I going with that? Oh, but yeah, the movie just sort of like makes it a joke rather than, um, you know, what really happened, which was like, you could absolutely get fired from the league if you couldn't be pretty enough or act ladylike enough. You know, the whole league operated under the, like the, the founders were like, Hey, the idea of this whole thing is play like men look like women. So there were a lot of rules they had to follow. Like they couldn't wear pants outside of their team, like house. They always had to be in full makeup. They had to wear red, red lipstick when they were out. And then when they were playing um, the game, no smoking, no drinking in public places. Uh, I mean, there's, there's, you can actually go to the all American girl professional baseball league. I got the backwards, but whatever the league's website. And you can see all of the, like the, the rules of conduct that they had to follow. The list is nuts. Like it's crazy. Um, you know, they could like go on dates, but they could only go with their team chaperone, like shit like that. And the rules for the women's league were twice as strict as in the men's league. And there's really nothing about that. Like why? I mean, I'm just assuming just, it's like a power thing. Um, but the, one of the cool things was they got paid a little bit above average for women at that time during the first couple of years, uh, with the pay ranging from $45 to $85 a week, which, um, winds up like, if you were to do that today is like 700 to, you know, I don't know, something else, some other math thing a week, (laughs) whatever. Uh, but it was pretty good for that, for that time and for them being women, um, during the first season, they, um, they did, and this isn't really addressed in the TV show or in the movie, but they do, um, sort of a, a hybrid game of baseball and softball where like there were certain things that they tried to like make easier for women because it was baseball. I don't know, but like the, the, the mound was only 40 feet away, 40 feet away from the pitcher, as opposed to the standard 60 feet, six inches, um, the the space between home plate first base first base second base you know like the i'm i'm sure there's actual terms for those things lanes the lane the running lanes i don't know the path to first base was shortened was shortened by the industry standard um and then uh pitchers had to throw you know like the windmill underhand like more so softball um and then eventually like after the first couple of years like uh, almost like every year, like things got extended, like it eventually made its way back to like the full standard men's baseball rules and everything like that. So, um, but all the teams were also, uh, managed by former major league players. Typically that's just another little fun fact for you. I guess (laughs) it just comes out of nowhere. I'm just, I'm looking at these notes, you know, trying to like form my thoughts as I've been thinking about this all day. Um, but now I've had a cocktail, so it's harder. It's harder, everyone. Um, the one thing that both the movie and the TV show get right, very right, are the uniforms. Um, and they were short, uh, belted skirts and hats, and they had to be, they couldn't be any shorter than six inches above the knee. But yet at the same time, like, you know, like even a, even a gay like me who does not play legitimate sports knows that having to slide in something like that is going to just like tear up your skin and you're going to be squatting. Your underwear is going to be hanging out your ass and be like, hey, how you doing? There's one scene in the movie 
where um, Tom Hanks is taking a picture of this girl's bruise and they show it and this is humongous. Like it's the entirety of like her like butt cheek and thigh area. And this is just like a little behind the scenes trivia for you. Um, and that, that was an actual bruise that that player that, or that actress received from just playing baseball and they just happened to be shooting and they're like, Hey, let's put that in the movie. Anyway, I digress. <sighs> but, uh, but anyway, the women's league, it gained massive popularity, um, during that time because the, the managers and the people who were in charge of the league, um, you know, they were being featured uh, in magazines like Time and Life and Newsweek and things like that. But in 1951, um, which, remember, the league started in 1943, um, so this is, what, seven, eight years after, the league switched to what's called decentralized administration. Um, and the only thing that you really need to take away from that <laughs> is the fact that um there wasn't a direct one person in charge of publicity and promotion. Um, and instead all that responsibility went to the individual team management. They were supposed to handle all that. The problem was they weren't good at it or they didn't understand it or they didn't want to do it. Um, so eventually the team league or the league, I mean, it lost popularity. Um, ticket scale, ticket sales were shit. Uh, and then ultimately the league ended in 1954 because nobody wanted to come, nobody wanted to watch, because nobody really knew anything. You know, it wasn't like as big of a a deal as it was when it first started. So afterwards, uh, you know, the league sort of became forgotten. And then in the 1980s, a former pitcher, um, I don't remember what from what year, and I had her name written down somewhere, I just don't know where it is at this current moment, but she organized a newsletter that she would send out to other team members and, and people that were part of the league, which ultimately led to the first um, all American uh, girls, professional baseball league reunion. Um, and then after a couple of those, um, you know, after that first one, they had, they had more and more. And then eventually someone started a petition to get the baseball hall of fame to acknowledge the league, which ultimately did happen in 1988 which is how the movie starring Tom Hanks ends with the opening of the girls professional baseball league wing, uh, being open. They just get a wing of the baseball league. They don't get their own thing, you know? <laughs> uh, so obviously there's a lot of shit that happened in between. Um, but, but, you know, one of the biggest spotlights of the, uh, AAGPBL was the league of their own movie which I absolutely love. It's such an uplifting, you know, underdog story, female empowerment type movie. Um, and it follows the Rockford Peaches team, as does the TV show. Uh, uh, but in the movie, it also follows their, you know, fall down drunk coach, Jimmy Dugan, aka Tom Hanks. And it's about their journey to, uh, you know, the first World Series of the Women's League. Um. And, you know, it's great. It's just such a feel-good type thing. I mean, lots of montages from the tryouts, montages from the games. I love a movie with montages. It just gets me super hype. Um, and then there's a really fun montage of, you know, them playing the World Series before the final game. So, and at the, at the really at the center of it, there's a, it's a really beautiful story about, you know, these two sisters and their relationship. Um, oh, fuck, I'm sorry. 
uh, and, and that and sort of, you know, growing up and, and, uh, you know, just trying to accept who you are, I think is another sort of underlying theme of the movie itself. So, um, yeah. One thing that the movie does really well that the TV show doesn't really touch on um, is the, in the baseball side of its storyline, is that um, the idea of some of the women that were playing in this league had husbands that were in the war. And one of the earliest memories I have of like being so emotionally affected by a movie uh, was the scene in the, well, I guess, okay, so... <laughs> All right, well, spoiler alert, if if you haven't seen the movie and are planning on it, fast forward like a minute or two, I guess, or put it on pause and go watch A League of Their Own. Like, I don't know who listens to my show that hasn't seen it, but if you haven't, you absolutely should. But a spoiler alert is coming. It's not a huge spoiler, but it's sad. Um, but in the movie, there's this one scene where one of the player's husbands dies and they get that, you know, letter in the locker room. And it's such a powerful moment. Uh but they they really just sort of touch on it in the movie but it it really made me think like oh my gosh you know the women playing in the real league back in the 40s had to play every day not knowing if their husbands were dead alive hurt anything like that um and in the movie you know the team has to go on and play a game after finding out that one of their teammates husbands are dead uh and i'm not sure if that story was like an actual story of one of the women who played as, as there were many people there to act as like advisors on the topic while they were filming it. Um, but I mean, that's devastating. Uh, I couldn't imagine like going to work, finding out that one of my fellow employees, you know, something had happened to them that was like so tragic. And then just like what we find out with them in the moment and then being like, all right, well, let's get back to this meeting. You know, I'm sure that probably happens a little bit more than I think, but I wouldn't be able to do it. Um, I'm going to take a little sip here. Mm. One thing that I do really love about both the movie and the TV show is that they, they follow the original first season of the league, um, which I guess another spoiler alert. I'll give you a second if you need to fast forward. Boop, boop, boop. But both uh, they follow the, you know, the very first World Series winner was Racine, but the stories both follow the Peaches, you know, throughout the entire arc. But in 1943, the Peaches made it to the World Series, but they lose to Racine. You know, I looked really hard to see if either the ending of the movie or the TV show was as dramatic as it is in real life, but I can either confirm or deny that at this time. And I welcome anyone who may have the answer to please come forward. Because, uh, you know, obviously it's the end of the movie, the end of the TV show. They've got to make it, got to make the stakes a little bit higher. But Racine does, in fact, win in real life and in the movie and in the TV show. So, um, so let's talk about, you know, one thing that the movie didn't really cover, but the TV TV show did. Um, and I mentioned it a little bit earlier, was that the Women's League was, you know, informally segregated. So the entirety of the league from 1943 to 1954, no black woman was ever allowed to play in the league, which was pretty much the same for, you know, the MLB. And it wasn't until Jackie Robinson was allowed to play in 1947 that anything really changed um the only ever or the only time the movie ever really touches on the idea of race is it's like during one of the montages that i talked about earlier 
and there's a um, group of black people sitting in the uh, African-American section of the field, of course, because it's segregated. Um, but a ball, like, uh, you know, a foul ball flies over there and it, you know, rolls up to this woman who she like picks it up and, you know, she's look up, she looks over and Gina Davis is like, Hey, you know, throw it here. Um, and the woman throws it so hard and far that another player catches it and like, she like takes her hand out of the glove and she's like, Oh, acts like if it was stinging. Um, and that's really it. That's the only time you ever really see anyone of color in the movie. Uh, the screenwriter of the movie script of a league of their own, his name is Lowell Gans. I don't know if I'm saying it right, but that's how I'm going to say it. Um, but he's quoted in a BuzzFeed article in 2017 saying, it did bother us that in order to be historically accurate, we could not have a diverse cast. So that scene that they put in there was, you know, their small way of trying to acknowledge the racial injustice of that time, I guess. Uh, the TV show does have a very strong female black storyline. Um, you know, one of the main characters, Max, who is this just absolutely stunning black woman played by Shantae Adams, um, whose character is based off of um, three people. Tony Stone, who was the first black woman to ever play in the Negro League um, when she was signed by the Indianapolis Clowns in 1953, which could you ever imagine having a team called the Clowns? But I guess that was a thing. But yeah, so Tony Stone, uh, uh, oh gosh, sorry, where'd her name go? Connie Morgan and Mammy Johnson. There we go. Oh my goodness. So those three, um, that's sort of, you know, who her character it sort of embodies their, their sorts of not necessarily storylines, but their uh, contribution to baseball at that time. Um, the character of Max uh, is seen in the first episode of the Amazon show as trying to try out for the league, but she gets turned away. And then her storyline really takes off in a different direction. But her whole character arc is at its core, you know, trying to play baseball professionally, which at this time, I won't tell you if she's successful or not, but I will say the one thing that rings true that the show did, based off of my research, is that she has to try and fight to get a factory job because factories at that time would have their own baseball teams, and the only way you could get on the team was to have a job at the factory. And for black women at that time, that was really the only option they had if they wanted to, like, play, um, you know. So... <laughs> that's that's sort of where we are. Um so one one topic that or the I guess it's the topic, I should say the topic. The topic that the movie does not really touch on at all, I don't think. Um but the TV show basically makes it the main storyline is the queer people storyline. Um and as I was watching the first few episodes, I remember texting my friend, you know, podcast guest uh regular Adele. I was saying, you know, there are an awful lot of lesbians in this show. And that alone was enough to spark my interest into looking things up and then doing this episode. Uh, so here's the deal. Um, so, okay, not only would women get kicked out of the league for not being pretty enough, but there, if there was even a suspicion of you being a lesbian or gay or anything other than straight, like you were out. Um, so many of the women who were part of the LGBT 
community during that time had to hide and hide really well to not only keep their jobs, but to also protect themselves from, you know, the police uh, and their families, to be perfectly honest. Um, So homosexuality was considered a mental disorder until 1973. So during the Women's Baseball League, if anyone was outed, um, you know, and they got back to their family, they could be put away in an institution legally. Uh, So if you go back and think about the the sort of beauty requirements that I mentioned earlier, it wasn't simply just to make the women look good, but to also assure audiences that they were what they, that they weren't, um, you know, watching a bunch, a bunch of queer people or inverts as they refer to them in the TV show, you know, play ball. Um, there is one story, uh, Josephine D'Angelo, who was nicknamed Jojo at one point was, quote unquote, relieved of her contract, AKA fired, um, due to her getting a, what was determined to be a butch haircut. Um, so quite literally she went to, a, a you know, a hairdresser and the hairdresser assured her. She was like, no, no, no. These like black curls will look good, blah, 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 blah. And the league thought it was too butch. So they fired her. Um, so there, there's also, uh, one of the, I believe, one of the original, I'm not sure if it's original or not, um, but one of the players from the league, Maybelle Blair, who was the inspiration behind Madonna's character in the movie, has gone on record at the 2022 Tribeca Festival. Um, and this is what she said. She said, out of 650 players, 400 were gay. I think that the show is a great opportunity for those for, for these young girl ball players to come to realize that they are not alone and you don't have to hide. I hid for 75, 85 years. And this is actually basically the first time I've ever come out. Um, which is, I thought was so incredible. Uh, and you can find that clip online, you know, just Google it. Anyway, gotten a little off track, but, oh, oh, but the TV uh, show does do a great job. Um, maybe to the detriment of the baseball storyline and the, racial injustice storyline um, of representing these beautiful, you know, queer characters and the struggles that they went through. I mean, in the forties women and black women were already discriminated against. So if you, you know, just were to add queer onto the list, you know, forget it, you know, a queer woman or even worse at that time would be a black queer woman, uh, which you get a little bit of a look into that realm you know, too, in the show. Um, and it's, it's, it's great. Uh, you know, there was a documentary that came out on Netflix in 2015 called a secret love. And I, I feel like it was a big deal at the time. And I feel like this is something people were talking about it. Oh yeah. It was called a secret love and it had, uh, it was just two lesbian women, Terry Donahue and Pat Henschel. Um, and it touches on that lifestyle that they had during the forties when Terry was playing for the league. You know, uh, and it, I remember it being eventually, I mean, they definitely touch on it a little bit, but, um, you know, a lot of it really came down to just their personal relationship towards the end, but you do get a little bit of a glimpse into, uh, what they had to do back then to kind of hide and, and, and make sure that they were safe during that time. And that's a big theme of the show is how can we be safe, what we have to do, the things we have to change, you know, and, and different ways that you protect each other. 
Um, so all in all, I really did love the new Amazon series. It was fun. It was gay. It celebrated black joy. I think that personally, I think they focused way too much on the queer storyline, which I, you know, for me to, for me to say, right. Like I love that. And I did love it. Um, but like, if you think about it, like the movie itself, right. It only had about an hour and 40 some minutes to fit the history of that first year into it. Right, which is just not a lot of time. The series had eight one-hour episodes that I think maybe they could have done more with, like if they hadn't focused so much on the queer storylines. Like we definitely got our, we definitely got a great, strong, powerful like black woman storyline, um, but it was sort of intermixed with the baseball storyline, as you know, black women couldn't play baseball, so they really couldn't, you know combine those two worlds. So we had the baseball storyline and we had the black woman storyline, but then the overarching theme was, you know, the queer storyline. Um, so, I mean, that those two things kind of worked, but really the thing that made the movie so hype for me when I watch it, which I did just watch it was like the actual baseball scenes and um, which we really don't get a whole heck of a lot of in the show. Uh, we definitely get some, I'm not saying we don't like, they definitely played a lot of baseball, but a lot of the story centers around queer culture, queer culture at that time, you know, which I love and a big part of why I enjoyed the series. But also I think I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of the baseball side, like, like even in the final episode, right. It, it all leads up to the final game of the world series. And so they do it and they play. And then there's like 30 minutes of story left, you know, it's like, Oh, we've got a lot more to wrap up. Okay. Uh, but I still recommend, um, definitely everyone should watch it. it it was really fun uh you know i had a great time i had a blast rosie o'donnell shows up for a little bit who was in the movie so there's that if you're a fan of rosie um but anyway that's my spiel on the all-american girls professional baseball league you can watch a league of their own on amazon prime now um and you can watch the movie i'm sure other places i have it on dvd if you want to borrow it uh and you can play baseball anytime Okay. Well, all right. Well, <laughs> y'all, like I said in the beginning, please, please, please vote for Making a Martini for Best Podcast in Best of the Berg. All the links are attached to this episode, and you can vote with every email address that you have. Um, and then please share the link to your own social media. And if you are a fan of Making a Martini, then please tell everyone you know and leave me a solid rating and a review whenever you, or wherever, I'm sorry, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Um, but Apple Podcasts are really where you can help me out the most. So if you can, leave the review there. Okay. Um, I do have some fun things coming up for you guys, so stay tuned. <clears throat> we have another live episode coming up uh, with a game I'm pretty excited about. I think it's going to work. It makes total sense to me in my mind. There's just one thing I have to figure out, but I'm sure I'm just overthinking of it. Or I'm overthinking it. And then coming up this November, which really is not that far away, you guys, we're halfway through August, I am going to be giving myself a birthday present and having a guest host come on and do, you know, taking, I'm taking a, taking an episode off where, you know, someone else can do this for a while. Uh, but yeah, basically someone else, probably someone that's already been on the show, um, will come on and host their own show. So all fun things. Um, yeah. All right. I think that's all I have for you, you drunken sluts. So... This has been Making a Martini, up, dry, and straight to the point. Cheers. Cheers.